You're listening to Homicide Worldwide. Your hosts, Sally and Keto, would like to remind our listeners the episodes deal with crimes that are graphic in nature and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Homicide Worldwide listeners. All of us over here at Homicide Worldwide Podcast would like to thank you for coming back each week. We see that you are spreading the word and that our body count is growing. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're kind of on Facebook. If you have an idea for an episode, send us an email to homicideworldwidepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to join our moms in supporting the show, check out our Patreon. Please remember to subscribe wherever you listen and please leave a five-star review. It really helps out the show. For source material, don't forget to check out the show notes. Here we are. Tonight, we won't mince words with a long and thoughtful introduction. Instead, the conclusion of Kaylee Anthony's murder will pick right up with the discovery of her little body, and we will get down into the ensuing and often mind-blowing events that followed this tragic crime. This is episode 41, part 2 of Homicide Worldwide. lovely to see you as well. It's been a long time. <laughs> I feel like it has been a long time. We had a little mm-hmm. bit of a detour with recording and life and jobs got a little uh, yeah. in the way <laughs> with that, but that's all good. Yeah. And here we are though. You know what? We're going to make it happen. Here it is. Boom, boom. Boom, Casey boom. Anthony and the murder. Um, let's just call a spade a spade as we I'm, say in Australia yeah. and elsewhere. <laughs> the murder of Kaylee Anthony. Yes. Hmm. In part one, we kind of went over the history of her lies and myriad of stories that she made up. All and convoluted oh. histories, back histories, yeah. family histories. Diseases. Like family, diseases, family <laughs> conflicts. Surprise uh, weddings. In, I love when she's like, she's got roots in South Carolina. She, they've got roots in New York. Like that sounds like you really know like where they're from. Wow. Oh my God. Way to go. Casey. Way to go. Her extremely bizarre, I mean, no judgment, but judgment, extremely bizarre relationship with her parents, her unwillingness to be forthcoming with any information whatsoever to do with the disappearance of Kaylee. And when you take away any of the evidence, every single piece of it, and look only at the strangeness of her behavior compared to any other 
parent who would have be missing a child. That alone is so incredibly suspect. To me, it's, it's almost primary. Yeah. It's beyond any other piece of evidence is her behavior. And they wouldn't just be using their own resources and going through their own routes. like When there are several police departments available and willing to help. So for those of you who came in late or for some ungodly reason skipped part one, <laughs> when we talk about Casey Anthony's lies, what we are talking about is a entire world, an entire universe populated with people who were fake. And she made stories up for every different person in her life to mm. present herself as whatever it was that she thought they wanted her to be. It's classic idea, Casey. Like, I mean, a lot of this is classic Casey. Classic but Casey. To me, one of the most telling parts of Casey Anthony and her behavior, and this was really what most people found odd, when she followed one of her lies to its end, as the watcher, you can see the end coming and you know this is not going to work, right? You know that walking through the halls of Universal Studios to your fake office with a, a detective <laughs> in tow, right? It, it, we know that that's not going to end well. And by the way, if you happen to find the photo that shows the route, there's like an aerial view of Universal <laughs> Studios and it shows the route, man. She took the long round. Yeah. She was getting her Fitbit steps in that day. For sure. It was like something yeah. like a 25 minute detour, right? Can you imagine if you had, just think about it, like if that was your reality, like obviously mm -hmm. nobody has that fucking reality, but like if that was your reality and it took you 25 minutes to navigate the halls of wherever you work in your building. Get a different nobody... spot, first of all. <laughs> you better be a better employee. Like try being yeah. employee of the month instead of. Yeah, you need to negotiate that into your month. contract. Yeah. <laughs> I get the impression that Casey Anthony is always going to be douche of the month, no matter what job she's in or really who is in the room with her at the time. That's right. But yeah, she walked and walked and walked this route until she could walk no more. That really encompasses the way of her lies. She just keeps kicking the can down the road mm -hmm. until the world just kind of heals around her lie and it just kind of goes away. Right. And her number one enablers in that, well, I'm going to say enabler because it was her mother. Mm -hmm. Her dad, I got the very strong impression through a lot of the research that I did, a lot of it firsthand out of George Anthony's mouth, not directly to me. Obviously, I don't have those kind of Sally sat down with George Anthony and here's what mm -hmm. he had to say. He felt honored, let me tell you. I mean, to bask uh, in the light that is Homicide yeah. Worldwide podcast. One of the things that you see about George Anthony is that he wasn't the driving force here. He had several flaws in his character that he shared with his daughter, but uh -huh. he wasn't the driving force of the denial. Yeah. Cindy, I mean, not just a river in fucking Egypt, let me tell you. Like the whole thing with the, the graduation, and throwing a graduation party when you know your daughter didn't graduate. And, like, and also tagging it with honors, like just mm -hmm. so that her friends or their friends didn't think less of them somehow. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, give me a fucking break. Right. And so exactly, I've said that a lot during <laughs> my research. In just this give one. me a break. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. But it was one more instance in many instances during Casey's life where the lie was just brushed over for her. It was just mm -hmm. healed. It was just gone. And and the person who did that mostly was her mother. Mm -hmm. And that persisted into the trial and even beyond. Yeah. And I think it's hard as a parent, you know, you want to 
kind of save your children, right? Like that's your first instinct as a parent is to protect your children. Casey Anthony was not allowed to fail. Her mother would not allow that to happen, whether it was out of her own pride or out of a desire to not have her daughter experience negative things. But I mean, and I'm just watching my co-host <laughs> lose pens in her hair right now. It's, makes, it's, Sorry. It's okay. I'm, that's usually, I'm usually the one who loses things in my hair. So it's, it's a nice turnabout. This is beautiful. <laughs> so sorry. That's as it, you 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 looked as incompetent then as I feel every single day. So that made me oh feel God. so well, good. Well, I finally you. you know I, I look how I feel. So there you go. Yeah. the great leveler. So lies have really been an integral part of Casey Anthony's life to the point where they are such a gigantic construct. I think it's starting to get hard for her to even keep track of who's been told what and what the lies are. How, yeah, how would you ever keep track of things? Dude, you have to kind of half believe it, I think. I guess that's true. I don't know. It explains so much about her if it's true, but anyway. Mm -hmm. So she has a three-year-old daughter, but this little girl, Kaylee Anthony, has not been seen for about 31 days Mm. on July 15th, 2008. And that's when this case all broke open. There were 911 calls. The police became involved. And about uh, 48 hours later, Casey Anthony was arrested at that point, not for murder, but for child neglect mm-hmm. and lying to police, which was all extremely easy to, to prove. And so at that point, they had her in custody. And then from there, uh, more evidence came in, which caused the uh, authorities to charge her with first degree murder, which is interesting when you don't have a body, you don't have a method. Mm-hmm. You just have what is essentially circumstantial evidence. That has to be pretty strong evidence if you want to pull first-degree murder on that. Because in Florida, that's a capital charge as well. Absolutely, yeah. She was like eligible for the death penalty. But juries don't love executing moms in general. So, I mean, right from the start, I had to wonder if that was an overreach by the prosecution. I mean, I don't Mm. doubt that she deserves it. But in terms of putting her behind bars or just getting her convicted on something that maybe like first degree murder with the possibility of a death sentence. Like that was maybe just too much for the jury to stomach right there. Probably. I I mean, jumping ahead a little bit here. um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the jurors who gave the verdict of not guilty feel haunted by their decision. And so Mm -hmm. I think it was just, as we had said before, it was not necessarily that they thought she was innocent. It was just that there wasn't enough to prove that she did it. But it's like, I mean, anybody with eyes and, you know, any sort of consciousness like knows Mm. that this is most likely the person who did this. If you you can have like a lucid thought, you probably know that. I mean, I have no doubt that she's responsible for her daughter's death, whether through neglect or deliberate action. Um, That's to me is not the parting question. But through the lens of this trial, we'll look at some of the pieces of evidence and you can form your own judgment, listeners, but we do expect it to align with ours in the end. I I fully expect a total alignment and um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So now it is December 11th. It's December 11th of the same year. So this little girl went missing on June 16th, 2008. The police were brought into her disappearance about a month later on July 15th. 2008. And now it's five months later, Kaylee's body is found. Now, as it turns out, and we mentioned this in our last episode, it has already been found by a meter reader named Roy Cronk, 
and he reports it several times. The police come out and actually do a kind of half-assed examination of the area. Quasi search. And you have to think about what they're looking for as well. Like you need to have a search image and to give an idea of what this area was like, this was the sort of the local dumping ground for all manner of crap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really was sort of like just a a dump site. Yeah, for things that you don't want and don't serve you in your life anymore. Maybe things that are just an annoyance that you just really want gone so you can live your best Bella Vida. Um, (laughs) I think that's what it's really for. And that's what Casey Anthony used it for as a dumping site for something that she didn't want or need anymore. So Roy Cronk saw something that he knew was not just a regular piece of trash. He saw something that looked like a, a small human skull. And he called it in and it was investigated. And it wasn't until five months later that he called it in again. And then it was investigated more thoroughly. During that time, a hurricane had gone through and had dropped a ton of rain. And it's also helpful to know that in the the height of summer, in the conditions in Orlando at the time, a body, a human body, even a full-sized adult human body can be completely skeletonized in two weeks. That is not freaking long. And that is, I'm not just exaggerating. That is a true fact. And it comes out a lot in this evidence of it goes through all the stages of decomposition right down to skeletonization, which is the point at which there is no connective tissue. There are no ligaments, tendons, nothing, soft tissue. It's just bone. Which is also why when they went to try to prove the manner of death, they could not because there was no soft tissue left. And because it was just a skeleton that was left, they couldn't test for things like the drowning. They couldn't Mm -hmm. test for things like drugs, i.e. chloroform. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They couldn't tell if it was like a strangulation thing. But what they did have were pieces of tape. Fascinating pieces of tape. Rare pieces of tape. Rare, unusual pieces of tape. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's so fascinating. I I love some of these stories where it's something rare and unusual. It's like Richard Ramirez and his extremely rare sneakers. Like what are the fucking chances that he's going to have the like one of like 16 pairs sold in the United States or something? Yeah. Like it's kind of like that. It's not like rare so that you never find it. It's just an unusual kind. It's not like the, the, the Husky brand tape that you get at the store or whatever. So when, when her body was found, uh, three pieces of tape were found over her area that would have been her nose and her mouth. This was remarkable because what it had essentially done was it had held her jawbone to her skull. Mm-hmm. And usually when a body is skeletonized, there is no connective tissue to hold that in place. Yeah. And so they, it usually separates. There was a lot of evidence in the site where her body was found that was done by very interesting sort of allied fields like forensic botany. If you can find bones and see them in situ, which is where they are, where they've been located for a long time, Mm -hmm. you can determine a huge amount about how long stuff has been there based on the length of tendrils growing into things, whether they've had certain cycles of growth are there evidence of seed pods on the ground that have that'll tell you how long they've been there there's even insect life oh the insect the entomology part is astounding too of like um, you know how long things have been there for what cycles of insects happen when and it's especially important to see all this stuff in context Mm -hmm. if it's all dug up and moved away there are massive 
connections and patterns that are lost. So yes. a lot of it did get to be seen in situ, but a lot of it was also picked up and moved, dried out because it was all completely wet. So Kaylee's body was found in a bag, plastic garbage bag, as yep. you do. That's as you would um, expect. Yeah. When you get rid of something that you don't want or need anymore, what do you do? You put it in a garbage bag. If you're Casey, I'm sure it makes sense. When Kaylee's body was examined, the pieces of tape were very important because the when and the why of them really is the crux of the whole case. Mm -hmm. When they got put there and why were they put there? Yeah. The prosecution maintained that those pieces of tape were put there expressly for the purpose of ending Haley's life. Yes. To suffocate her and to end her life. Well, I don't know of another reason why you would put tape over the mouth and nose. I have a theory. Both are kind of necessary to breathe. I think they were put there post-mortem. To make it look like something had happened? I think they were put there as a result of what happens to the body after death. So here's my theory. My theory is that Kaylee was either killed in a moment of anger and spite towards Cindy by Casey, not in front of Cindy, but just as like a, because I, we know that there was talk about, you're not a good mom. I'm going to be taking her away. I'm going to file for custody of her. There was a lot of this and like, you're not taking her from me all this back and forth. Right. That's the only thing that I can see enraging Casey enough to, to act that way. To me, more likely it was that she accidentally overdosed her kid. Yeah, because the first theory kind of sounds a little bit like if I can't have her, nobody can. And I don't think she wanted her that much I in don't the fucking first think place. so, because that's really a possessive kind of mentality. And she didn't seem possessive, especially since her behavior after the disappearance of her child Mm -hmm. was so flighty and she was off getting fucking tattoos. So the other possibility here is that after her death, Kaylee was placed in the trunk of the Sunfire, the Pontiac Sunfire. With a bra. With a what? So the other theory here, there's the deliberate murder theory. And then the other theory regarding the three pieces of duct tape is that this is my personal theory. And this is also based a little bit on Jan Garavaglia's autopsy report was that she believed that the pieces of duct tape were likely placed there post-mortem, which means that they weren't used or they, she didn't think that they were likely used to suffocate the child, to suffocate the child. So my theory is that she put Kaylee's body in the trunk. It started to do what a body will do in a hot trunk of a car Mm. in June which accounts for the uh, huge amount of decomposition evidence in the trunk and the smell. And then at some point she opened the trunk and she noticed that Kaylee's body had started to change as it does. And one of the things that happens is that things kind of loosen up on the face a little bit and the mouth can really hang open a bit. Um, Oh, right. Things can drain out of the mouth and nose. And I can imagine a situation where she duct taped her face for her own comfort. For so, her own, so, so she didn't have to look what, at what happened. So she didn't have to look at what happened. And <sighs> I'm backed up in that idea by this really unfortunately lost piece of evidence. During the forensic investigation, one of the investigators uh, believed that she saw a heart-shaped sort of adhesive residue on the duct tape 
on a place that would have been sort of right over Kaylee's mouth. She didn't think to photograph it because why would you photograph a potentially important piece of evidence why would that in a murder happen? trial? That's, why? That's, why? Why wouldn't I just let it go? It's fine. It, yeah, that doesn't mean right. anything. Right. Well done. And so she just kind of noted it in her notes, you know, heart, you know, appears to be some kind of heart-shaped residue. There was a heart-shaped sticker, sort of a very sort of degraded sticker, but one found at the crime scene along sort of amongst Kaylee's remains that also matched that shape roughly and also matched stickers that Casey had in her bedroom. But because the duct tape continued to be processed by other technicians, that adhesive print was lost in the processing of evidence to sort of determine different things. So there was no visual evidence of it and there was only the technician's word for it. Think about that, right? So something disgusting and horrible is happening to your daughter and she's changing and she looks terrible and it's disturbing uh-huh. the hell out of you. You cover it as much as you can because you want it all to kind of hang together. And then to make it all pretty, you just put a little heart-shaped sticker right over the mouth. I don't know. That almost seems remorseful, like sad in a or weird like, way, like a kiss yeah, goodbye. Almost. Like a kiss goodbye. It's the kind of thing that I think. That's disgusting. It's disgusting. I can imagine Casey Anthony kind of thinking that that was really like poignant and like Oh, hundred percent. Oh, yeah. This makes me so deep. Really adds yeah. a little fucking this depth to way, my character. This is the way I say goodbye, and I just you know a little kiss forever. Yeah, I'll be with I can you. Imagine Mommy that. loves you. Oh, Mommy you loves you, baby. Bitch. Yeah. So that's kind of my vague theory on how it all went down. But we're mm-hmm. we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves again. So now we're at the point where. We've got vast amounts of evidence that are being processed. There's the evidence from Kaylee's body. There is the evidence from the the Sunfire, Mm -hmm. a huge amount of very interesting evidence. So one of the things that's just really cool about the prosecution is that one of the lead prosecutors, Jeff Ashton, was the first prosecutor in the United States to use DNA evidence in trial. Mm. And he was also the first prosecutor to use forensic odor detection in trial. And the trunk of the Sunfire was subject to a lot of tests. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the chemical compounds that were found were the kind that occur, surprise, surprise, in human decomposition. And also (gasps) hair. Oh my God. That's right. So much forensic evidence happening in the fucking trunk of that Pontiac. That's right. Another piece of interesting evidence that Keita just mentioned was one hair. And this hair was extremely important for one particular reason. It had on it a dark band very close to the root that is Mm. called the death band. Death band. So that death band occurs when, so you know how it looks like your hair grows and your nails grow when you die? Mm Mm-hmm. That actually is a visual optical illusion. Obviously, you can't, nothing can continue to grow when you die because all your metabolic processes have stopped. So now Casey's been charged with first degree murder and there's a body and there's a lot of questions, but a lot of these questions are going to be addressed in trial. So when the trial gets underway, there's a real interesting person who was a serious big part of this trial and his name is Jose Baez. Oh, Jose. And he is, and he is Casey Anthony's attorney. Uh, he hasn't really had a lot of ho profile. Woo! High, 
Jose Baez hasn't had a lot of high profile cases, and this is definitely the highest profile one he's had. He's not a very expensive lawyer because uh, he's not high profile, and but that's what Casey Anthony can afford, so that's what she gets. But it turns out he is the man for the job because he does not have any bottom. And by that, I don't mean that he doesn't work out and he has a flat ass, although he does. <laughs> Ew. What I mean is that there, there's basically nothing he won't do or say yeah. to get his client off. Oh, a hundred percent. He, in fact, to kind of, to your point of him not having like a ton of experience, like he was mostly like a DUI attorney mm-hmm. previously, which is, you know, I mean, everybody needs a, a good attorney, but like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you need him for that, he hadn't really had a lot of extensive experience with this type of case. Considering that was the case, the fact that he was able to get Casey cleared of almost all charges except for lying to the cops is kind of amazing. But we'll kind of go through that how, how that happens. When the trial begins, the prosecution knows the defense that Jose Baez is going to need some kind of big story, some kind of story about how Kaylee died. because. Now there's really no question that there was some kind of involvement. And now the question is, what is the involvement? So they need to craft a story. The prosecution's story is that Casey had her daughter and wasn't prepared for the responsibilities of motherhood. She missed uh, the free life that she had before she had Kaylee. Mm. It was just too much for her. She needed to go back to that life. The thing that was standing in her way was Kaylee. And so she researched the best way to end her daughter's life and did just that and to live la bella vida. And when you say research, that's a really important thing to remember that there were searches for chloroform on how to make the familial computer. Yeah, the old family computer. And that was that was something that Cindy had stepped forward to say that there was some thing going on in like her garden with, and she wanted to look up chlorophyll or some such shit and shit. Total <coughs> bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. And so, but accidentally clicked on chloroform. Yeah. That is the lamest freaking story. It's not once how that again, goes. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. <laughs> and Cindy Anthony, once again, jumping in to cover, 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 cover for her daughter. Yeah. And I'm like, bitch, you lost your credibility when you said your daughter who didn't graduate high school graduated with honors. Like, mm-hmm. you know, no shame or anything to the people who go a different way. And, or, you know, mm-hmm. if you don't graduate high school or you get a GED or like whatever, but you don't throw your kid a party for something that when- they didn't do. Yeah, when they basically skip out on exactly. most of their senior year. And, and so for her to come back and say that she had researched chlorophyll, it's just incredibly stupid. It is incredibly stupid. <laughs> it just doesn't even sound smart. Especially because at the time the search was performed, she would have been at work. Huh. And there well, was a lot of- that would be hard to do. That would be hard to do because it's real hard to be in two places at once. God knows I've tried. Uh- so, so many times. So she made up this whole thing again about, well, you know, it was pretty standard for us to kind of clock in and then, you know, run a few errands here and there. So I was probably at home at the time. Oh my God, woman, let your child fail. No, she can't. She can't. She will do and say she will perjure herself. <laughs> Not a big Cindy Anthony fan either, no. but that's okay. So the trial gets underway. The opening statements really lay out how the whole case is going to go. And by that, I mean, they lay out 
the side that is interested in finding and uncovering the truth and letting the truth speak for itself and the side that is interested in crafting something that is such a sickening lie, to be honest with you. I haven't honestly felt so much disrespect for a person as I have for Jose Baez and the words that came out of his mouth yeah. during his <clears throat> um, opening arguments. Absolutely. My God. Oh, Lord. There's a, a line. Brace yourself, I, people. Brace yourself because you're going to throw up. It's just awful. There's a line that he he talks about how it was so hard for Casey to like go through you know, her everyday life when she had recently had George's penis in her mouth. God, when I heard that, I was like, oh. He literally says penis in her mouth. He literally says that. In, in his opening statements. And you can watch Jeff Ashton, who is the book I listened to. It was very thorough. You can watch him in the background and his head just starts going from side to side. He's just can't believe what's coming out of this mouth, this guy's mouth. You have to remember this relationship between Casey and her dad there has never been the slightest sniff of any indication of harm that he did towards her or harm that he did towards Kaylee. Yeah. She even says to him when they're communicating during prison over the camera. Prison visit, visiting hours? This is a version. What just happened? When they're having this recorded conversation, she says, you've been the best dad and you've been the best grandfather. Yeah. She doesn't hesitate and there's absolute sincerity in her voice because he's like, I wish I could have helped you. I wish I could have done better. I'm sorry I couldn't have done better and been a better dad to you. And she just jumps right to his defense. Yeah. And, and you would think that three if, years later, she accuses him of molestation. Right. You would think that if somebody had a, a, a past like that, that that wouldn't even be offered as a comment. You know, you just wouldn't even cross that bridge. You wouldn't say something like that, where it actually did seem like one of the very, very few moments in her life that I've seen where she appeared to be sincere. Casey's response when this is said in court, she starts to instantly cry. And you can look she at knows. That. She knows it's a she knows fucking it's bullshit. bullshit lie. That's right. And she knows it's a disgusting lie. To me, this is the same disgusting lie that fucking Jodi Arias told about her boyfriend, about how she saw him looking at pictures of little boys on the internet. Yeah. No, you didn't. And there's no proof of that. And they went through his computer and they know that's bullshit. Like, why does molestation have to be trotted out? Right. Can, I mean, she also all, mentioned people something. People who fucking are real victims and yeah. they- Ugh, anyway, feelings, she apparently. also had mentioned when because we've never identified the father in Kaylee's life that she was at one point sexually assaulted. So she's really like not beneath sort of just using these things that other people have gone through for real and have been mm -hmm. traumatized by and whose lives will never be the same from to her own advantage when it serves her. Absolutely. And there really are no depths here. And this is the mm -mm. thing about. Jose Baez. It reminds me so much of the dream team from the OJ Simpson trial of people who will say anything, do anything to get their client off. And he does exactly that from the first minutes of his performance. And then that's what it was, is a total performance. And a, total performance. a lot of other esteemed attorneys who will not be named here, but a lot of people were very much um, not impressed. And they kind of thought he was like a one-off, like a joke for mm -hmm. this. And they didn't really, they, they didn't respect this approach. Like, yeah. Okay. So in the end we know what the verdict is, but it's not a respectable approach. 
It's not. And it's just the same approach as the dream team where they knew that all of the evidence pointed so strongly to their client. And so their entire approach was bring as much doubt as you can to the evidence, bring as much doubt, muddy the waters, make it unclear, make it uncertain, um, argue against everything, deny everything, and just make everything so unclear that the jury doesn't feel like they have enough clarity. They actually do, but you've managed to convince them that they don't. There's more than enough clarity when you look at the evidence and you look at that woman's very suspect fucking behavior. There's more than enough clarity there to put her in jail for something. For something. And the fact that like, as we kind of get into this a little bit more and as we learn the things that she did and how her story repeatedly changes throughout the trial, like it's not like they had a story and they stuck to it. It flopped yet again. There is a whole world of pathological lying that I discovered. There is a special category of pathological lying called Pseudologia Fantastica. Is that not the best fucking name ever? It sounds like something that would have been like a, I don't know, like a vampire movie in the 90s. That's right. Does it not? (laughs) It's like starting like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in his (laughs) breakout dramatic role. So basically what these are, lies that were so abnormal and out of proportion that they needed their own special category. Um, this was this phrase was coined by a German physician named Anton Delbruck, and he studied pathological lying, and he was actually the first to describe it as its own sort of separate pathology. And then in his patients, he saw this like this ability in some of them to construct a really gigantic, elaborate lie. Mm. But here's the thing about them: they're easily disprovable. They're fantastic in nature. They're extensive, elaborate, and complicated. There often seems to be a blurring of the boundaries between fiction and reality. Is it sounding familiar so far? Mm, I Um, I can't think of anybody who this describes. I know. The size of the lie, the callousness of the lie, and the consequences of the lie (sighs) are irrelevant to the liar. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, that just freaking encapsulated her into one nice little Mm -hmm. shit sandwich. That's right. Exactly. And the interesting thing about pathological lying is that as opposed to regular lying, the thing about lying in general is that you do it to achieve an external goal. It's to, you know, avoid a negative consequence. So usually there's an external reward to lying. Pathological liars lie because the reward is internal. It scratches an itch. That's the part that makes it pathological. She was one itchy motherfucker. She was itchy. And then this uh, special category of lying, these gigantic, disprovable, elaborate, complicated, extensive lies that are sort of consequence-free or the consequences are ignored by the liar are their own special category. And I do believe that Casey Anthony belongs in this category, Mm -hmm. Pseudologica Fantastica, lies that are their own gigantic construction. Yeah, 100%. And her whole life was that. Yeah. And and that sort of leads us into with her dad, with that lie that happened that came out of Mm -hmm. Jose Baez's mouth. Uh, You know, George Anthony in 2009, January 23rd of 2009, Decides he's had enough and he's going to leave a suicide note and he is going to try and kill himself. Mm. Um, 
there are so many theories and so many of them are plausible. Uh, mm. You know, I think for me, when I look at this, how much of this is just utter pain and shame and knowing that his grandbaby who he loved and adored is gone. I mean, why? You know, I mean, I can kind of understand why he might not want to continue on with the way things were going. I, I kind of get it. I mean, you know, I'm glad that he did not die, but I do mm. understand the mindset of like, oh my God, my life is over and mm. I can't continue on this way. I don't want to live this way because he was, he was despondent. And, you know, I mean, there was a, it was possible, uh, very likely that he was under the influence of certain medications and alcohol. Mm. And basically he was found in a Daytona beach hotel I mean, it was just, it was so, it's just so sad. The ripple so effect sad. that this has had, because I'm, I'm fairly certain that if Casey Anthony's daughter hadn't died, none of this would have happened. I don't think George was suicidal prior to that, but just the fact that like your reach caused your dad to try to kill himself. Like what? That's horrific, isn't it? And he adored that little girl. Like, yeah. When he talks about her, even in the trial, even when he's recounting so much pain, anytime he talks about her during her life, his whole demeanor changes and mm -hmm. you can just see him, like even the memory of her fills him with joy. Yeah. And that whole family was shattered by that little girl's death. And to me, it seems like the person who was least affected by her death was Casey. Was her own mother. You can hear it in the 911 call when uh, Cindy does finally have her cornered and realizes something is really amiss here. Mm -hmm. And and you can hear just her tone. I mean, we, we talked about that in episode one where she was just, you could not, she could not have been like any more upset yeah. like about, I mean, losing fucking change in a vending machine. That's exactly you right. Know, it's just when she's like, my daughter's been missing for the past 31 days. Yeah. Like, I need to go to the store and get some milk. Yes, exactly. That that just nonchalant, like, I don't care mm -hmm. really is how that comes off. Like, she just mm -hmm. doesn't, she didn't care. And that's because she was responsible for her daughter's death. Yep. In my opinion. And because she knew exactly, exactly where Kayla was. One of the pieces of evidence that we previously mentioned was the gas cans. And we touched on them a little bit in part one, but they really come in as an important piece because that was where a strip of duct tape was when Casey borrowed slash stole or stolen borrowed those gas cans. And when she returned them, that piece of duct tape was no longer there. The rare duct tape. Don't forget that this is a rare kind of a duct tape. It is. It's a very uncommon duct tape. Yeah. It's actually, most duct tapes are primarily made of uh, synthetic, like polyester. And this one was cotton and polyester. Oh. And so it degraded in very interesting ways because the cotton degraded, but the polyester didn't because mm. synthetic fibers don't degrade um, as very quickly as natural fibers do. So there was a lot of interesting evidence there about you know how fast it all degraded and what was left afterwards. But in the end, they were able to match the duct tape that was found on Kaylee's body mm. to a roll of duct tape that George just kept in his house and that he had taken a strip of to kind of seal up what he thought was a leak. And that strip was missing. <laughs> and that was the same duct tape that was found on Kaylee's lower face. And also too, I mean, I think it's really important if we haven't said where her body was found exactly, it was like a half mile from the house. 
Yeah, barely. Not even that. It, it, it was, was really close. Around the freaking corner. Was it was very around the corner. close. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff, all of this stuff, and it just all points straight to Casey Anthony. She just, I don't know. She fucking got away with this. So as the trial continues, lots and lots of evidence is entered and lots of lots of arguments are made by Jose Baez about the admissibility of the evidence. There's this whole rule that you have to follow where if you submit evidence, it has to be the kind of evidence that anyone in that field would agree is generally accepted knowledge. It's mm-hmm. called the Fry test or the Fry something. F-R-Y-E. <laughs> hey, like fry boots. F-R-Y. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Ugh. And um, exactly. My favorite pair you of see, boots. see, you understand. You I do. It. I do. Mm-hmm. Me and my I eight do. pair of fry boots understand. <laughs> and so basically it, to pass this, you need to be able to say, yes, everybody in the field of uh, forensic odor examination agrees oh. that this is commonly accepted and normal practice. Yeah. And so there were a lot of challenges to some of this kind of new, newish evidence. Some of it was really being presented uh, for the first time in trial, especially the odor analysis stuff. There was things like the dog signaling when it, the, the cadaver dog signaling when it got to the back of the trunk and what that meant and showing the jury all these very interesting videos. And one of is of like a, a night vision Mm. of a a cadaver dog looking for a recently drowned body. And from the night vision, you can actually see where the body is. It's got a little bit of like, I guess, residual something in it, probably because it's like doing its active decay thing, which is quite warm sometimes. And you can see the handler and you can see the dog and watching the dog kind of follow the trail of the person's smell and how it signals. It's pretty fascinating to watch. And so the jury got a kind of like an inside view on how cadaver dogs work um, and how they're trained. And they got to hear about how this dog that's highly trained gave a very strong, consistent signal for the back of the Anthony's car. Well, and there was also like, it was funny when I was watching some of the footage about that people were kind of, you know, saying how the dog had yes, it had alerted to the fact that there was like a body or some kind of human decomposition in the car. But then, like this person was getting all out of control with what they were saying, getting all accusatory with the dog. And I was like, "You fucking need to calm down. Leave the dog alone. Leave Don't the dog alone. Job. It's a dog, first of all. Yeah. Like you gotta like it's doing what it's trained to do, and that's yeah. to alert that there was a scent that it was following, mm-hmm. and it knew what it was talking about. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much like the depth of the dog's role." Even without the cadaver dog, you know, so many people, including George, Cindy, the towing company manager, said that there was a detectable smell of decomposition, even when the car doors and the trunk were closed, even when you were walking up to it from 10 feet away. Like, sorry, Kaylee had to have been in there and doing what a body does in a hot trunk. I would say for a week. Yeah. My guess is for a week or possibly a tiny bit longer. I mean, Casey tried to borrow a neighbor's shovel on the 30th of June, if memory serves. So that means that Kaylee is still not discarded in her final resting place to that point. That means she's somewhere, you know, for the smell. I mean, 
the thing about the smell of human decomposition is it sticks around. It's one of those smells like tobacco. Like if someone smokes in your house, you can smell it for like two weeks afterwards. A human decomposition, the smell, it gets into stuff and it stays. And so even months and months and months afterwards, this really very particular, very recognizable smell, very unique smell was so strong that with all the doors and and windows of this car closed weeks and weeks after the body had been removed, it was still knock you over from 10 feet away. Well, and there was also a stain on the, Mm. the little, the carpet, the felt in your trunk. And it was pretty much the decomposing body of this child. Mm -hmm. And in, you know, in Cindy's, Man, she's like one to go down with the ship. Um, Isn't she? She she's really like, is. She's standing on the bow uh-huh. and it's like with she, saluting as the as her feet go into yeah, the water. Yeah. I mean, she she went so far as to say that when they had purchased that car, like something like eight years prior, that that stain was there. God, that's just perjury. That's just But that was really, Cindy? In 2011, to go back to what I was talking about a little while ago with George Anthony's suicide attempt. On June 29th, he kind of he really kind of blasted his daughter and he did say that she was the last one to see Kaylee alive. And then, you know, he kind of went in and offered up some details about his suicide attempt. But he said that he did it because he was despondent that he had failed Kaylee really is Mm -hmm. what that boiled down to. So when he when he actually addressed this, that was kind of like his biggest reason. And, And that tells me a lot that tells me that. What we were saying in the original episode of this with him just sort of being like this meek man who didn't stand up for anything, who kind of just went with these women who sort of bullied him around from his first wife to Cindy. You know, I can imagine that he would have immense guilt around this. And even though it wasn't necessarily his fault, of course, I can see that, you know, maybe he probably turned that inward and was like, you know what? If only I had just stood up once, if I had just put my foot down this time, if she just hadn't gotten away with this that time, maybe Kaylee would still be alive. And I agree with you. I think this is something that you can view as belonging to more than one generation. Yes. Obviously, the person responsible here is Casey Anthony. (sighs) But Casey Anthony didn't emerge spontaneously from the ether. She was a product of her upbringing and her upbringing confirmed to her. It didn't just suggest to her. It confirmed to her again and again and again that there were no consequences for her actions, that she could lie and And she could make stuff up. Yep. And she could uh, screw up to the point of not even making much of an attempt at all in senior year. And get or be pregnant or, you know, kill her kid and or steal money or do all these things and just get away with it. And she did. And you know what bums me out about the the result of this case and the trial? The miscarriage (sighs) of justice, the gross miscarriage of justice. It just confirmed to her yet again. Right. That you can get away with anything. That you can get away with anything. She hasn't yet received the smackdown from the universe. I have to believe there's a hand in the wings just waiting there, all warmed up, ready to go. But like, oh man, her her next life, if she doesn't have it this life, man, her next life's going to be tough. One of the hardest things for the prosecution was that given the advanced state of decay of Kaylee's body, so 
she was in the final state of decomposition, which is dry remains. Uh-huh. So there's five stages. It is fresh, bloat, active decay, advanced decay, and dry remains. Dry remains means there's tissue. no more. There's, yeah, there's still no organic tissue yeah. left. Right, exactly. And so given the state of advanced decay and the condition of Kaylee's body, it's almost impossible to determine exactly the cause of death. So the prosecution built their story that she used chloroform to knock out her child. And there were all these searches. There was quite significant chloroform uh, residue found in the trunk of the car. However, it's also an ingredient in common household products. So, you know, it's hard to tell where it could have come from. To your point with that, during the closing arguments, the narrative was basically that Casey was, I mean, to put it bluntly, overly burdened by her daughter. And in order to have the life that she wanted, that something in her life needed to get sacrificed. And unfortunately, when that happened, the thing that was sacrificed was not a thing. It was her child. It was her child. And and so... I thoroughly believe that had she just said she needed some help and asked her parents to step in, they were with her almost all the time anyway. In terms of cause of death, the defense kept making this case that she drowned, that the Mm -hmm. ladder to the above ground pool was uh, left so that she could access it. And that was, that had never happened before. And so she, she climbed in and she drowned and then George took her out and he freaked out. And then he woke up Casey, who was, of course, still asleep at 9 a.m. on a Monday. Naturally. Of course, because you wouldn't be up and caring for your child. Or at work, um, even. Or at work. I mean, That's right. Who needs to work? No. Or care for your child. But you can be living la bella vida. So this whole story about her drowning has one big flaw. As Dr. Garavaglia noted in her testimony, when children drown, what we know is 100% of the time, 911 is called. Yeah. Even when that child is blue, people are like, maybe they can, maybe they can revive my child, right? There isn't a moment where they're like, we can't do that. In 100% of cases, apparently except this fucking one, mm-hmm. when a child drowns, people call 911. It's clearly an accident, right? Yeah. It, yeah, it's clearly an accident. So this whole thing of like, we didn't know what to do and how to dispose of the body, like- George is a You don't dispose of a former, body when there is an accident. No, that's right. And he's a former <laughs> homicide detective. Yeah, I mean, okay. apparently not a very good one because yeah. when I was to that point with that, you know, when in episode one of this, I had said that, you know, that it's a tragic thing that that happens. It's just a super shitty thing that happens when children drown. It's mm. it fucking sucks. I'm, I can't even imagine what that's like. That's horrific. However, it happens. And with that said, uh, I mean, I just feel that Nobody, I've never, I'm sure maybe there's something out there that that I haven't heard of, but I've never heard of if it was a true accident, anybody getting blamed for that. I mean, that's why there's a cause of death that is listed as accidental because accidents shittily happen. And George apparently is such a master of fucking disguise and hiding his emotions that despite the fact that his beloved granddaughter drowned on his watch. Yeah, I can't. I don't buy it. That he was just like went about his daily life as though it hadn't happened. Like that is such a load of shit. Like Mm -hmm. it's just so full of holes. And the defense continues to poke holes in everything they can. 
they just bring out their own experts, expert after expert to refute the forensics, to dispute it. They're not trying to really dispute it. They're not really trying to overturn it. They're trying to inject enough uncertainty. Yeah, just That's create the doubt. You need to do. That's all you need to do. If he knew anything but from watching OJ's trial, he should have learned that. And that is that you just have to give the jury enough doubt. And he successfully fucking did that. In uh, July, the trial starts to wind down. At this point, uh, the defense is tying up their arguments. The final statements are done. Jose Baez does his. Jeff Ashton does his. They put in their last big effort to the jury, make their arguments. Yeah, all the peacocking. And in fact, when that happened, Jose Baez actually interrupted. (gasps) Such bad form. Such bad form, you rookie. Yeah, he interrupted the summation and yelled to the jurors that Ashton was a quote unquote laughing guy. Laughing guy? I don't get it. I'm like, what the it's fuck? Not is- even a good insult. That's, I know, like, you couldn't have come up with something like better. Big head. Yeah. Stupid foot. Yeah. <laughs> Try harder, Jose. Jose, you suck. No way, Jose. No way, Jose. <laughs> no. So, in their closing arguments, the state, the prosecution, they focused on Casey's many, many lies. They emphasized the period during which her daughter was supposedly you know, missing and she's going through her quote resources, own resources to find her during the time where we had the hot body contest and the boyfriends and the tattoo and all this stuff where she's just like living her best happy life. That's their argument. Their argument is this is not normal. There's so many lies. There's all this evidence. There's no other direction this evidence is pointing than at Casey Anthony. It doesn't point to anybody else. The whole accidental drowning that was covered up by George was complete bullshit and doesn't make any sense. Jose Baez tried to poke as many holes as he could in the prosecution's case. He noted, and this is true, and say what you want about the prosecution, but they really couldn't come up with an airtight story for how Kaylee died. It's real hard to convict somebody of murder if you can't say how they died. It's like, we definitely know that she killed her, but we don't know how and we don't know when and we don't know where. (laughs) Like, it's a pretty big sell. Like, so as much as we're like, you know, up the jury's ass about, you know, they should have done it better. At the same time, if you can't tell that story without a bunch of really, really convincing evidence, uh-huh. I think it was fairly convincing, but apparently the jury disagreed. You know, I also, I have to just say, and I'm not going to mention any cases just so that we don't get too off topic here, but I feel that there have been so many other cases out there mm-hmm. that people have gone down for so much less. Just I, any I mean, kind was- of sense of justice here. Yeah. Because that little she's girl's never gotten it. Responsible. She's yeah, she's never gotten it and she will never get it. No. And the only person there's only two people who know what happened to Kaylee. And mm-hmm. I think, well, Kaylee, I don't even really think knew what was happening to Kaylee. At least we can certainly hope not. But the only person who knows what happened to Kaylee, obviously, is Casey. And who knows what story she tells herself in that little convoluted mind of hers. Right. And now that we've given away the ending to this. (laughs) Right. Oh, yeah. You guys. Oh, my God. I'm so sad that we gave it away. Yeah. I know you're all on the on the edge of your fucking Everybody's like, what? So what happened then? What What happened? happened? Tell us more. 
And after that, we're going to go find out what happened with the O.J. Simpson show. (laughs) Hello, listeners. All of us here at Homicide Worldwide are very excited to share one of our favorite podcasts with you. It's called Nerded Through the Grapevine. And here to tell you more about it, our four best friends. Hey, everybody. I'm Dane Holland. It's a new STD, a sonic transmitted disease. (laughs) I'm Austin Shazam Pfeiffer. So it would be just a smushed mashed potato situation going on in my young adolescent crotch area. I'm Marcus Whitaker, known as I'm Electric Man. So instead of talking about how CERN is trying to open up a portal to hell and end the entire universe, I guess I'm just going to read jokes off the freaking internet. And I'm Austin Tiny Zen. Dr. Strange, he's circumcised because would you want to uncircumcised wizard? I don't think so. And if you'd like any of that to make any sense whatsoever, tune in to Nerd It Through the Grapevine, a podcast where four best friends gather weekly to talk about our favorite parts of past, present, and future nerd culture every Monday on Spotify, iTunes, and whatever your favorite app for podcast is. Come join us in the grapevine. You can find Nerdy Through the Grapevine wherever you listen to podcasts. So, deliberations, 10 hours was all it took. Oh, they they and just wanted to get out of there. They're like, let us they go. They were done. They were so done. And they came back with not guilty on all the big charges and the four counts of giving false information to law enforcement. She was found guilty on those, but not guilty on first degree murder, not guilty on the child abuse or neglect charges. Now, also because she was found guilty, she of course had to serve a sentence for that, but, but wait, there's more. She'd been, she's been sitting in jail yep. for everything shy of one week of this new sentence. So she just serves one fucking week. Yeah. Because they credited her back for time served. Yeah. She, man, she, she got back pay on all of that time served. Right. And then she got fined a thousand dollars for each of the four counts. So $4,000 and <sighs> one more week in jail and she's out. Wow. Unbelievable, really. Just, I mean, after like six weeks of testimony, like there were something like 400 pieces of evidence that were presented. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, you know, and I'm certainly not like trying to like say anything, but like there were like a lot of women on this jury. And I'm just really surprised that it just took such a short period of time for everybody to be like, yeah, you know, yeah, she didn't do it. So here we are. At the end of this long, freaking convoluted process, it's now July 5th, 2011. Remember, this all kind of broke open on July 15th, 2008. So almost exactly three years to the day from when it broke open, Casey's found not guilty and she's she serves a little week. She pays her $4,000 and she's out. Did she really pay the $4,000? 
I'm sure somebody paid it for Somebody her. probably paid it for it because she hasn't got a job. She doesn't have a job. And she doesn't and have any money, money. she has is stolen from other people. <laughs> exactly. Yes. She doesn't have anything of her own. Apparently, she was also like listed as indigent when you're just like, you don't have a house. You don't have anything. You're just oh, like. Yeah. Like a traveler. Yeah. You're just like a, you know, a traveler on the oceans of life. Do you know, though, that like when she was released from the jail on July 17th, she exits shortly after midnight, as you do. There Mm. were quite a lot of protesters who had shown up and were out there (laughs) demanding justice for Kaylee, which, you know what, I applaud you for trying. Obviously, that's never happened. But her lawyer in a statement said, it is my hope that Casey Anthony can receive the counseling and treatment she needs to move forward with the rest of her life. Good God. Wow. Poor woman. Let's hope she gets the support she needs. Jesus Christ. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. You will, though, listener, be pleased to hear of this one small little piece of justice. So uh, Florida's Department of Children and Families actually did an investigation of their own into Casey Anthony, yes. and they came to the conclusion that she was responsible for Kaylee's death. They released a report to that end. Mm-hmm. They didn't say that she had physically harmed her, but they said that she was responsible for the death of that child. Yes. Which is did. kind of my, my sort of statement too, of like, we'll never really know. We can guess and we can say duct tape this and chloroform that and Xanax this and hot trunk that and pool and murder and whatever. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We can only guess, but we do know for sure that she's responsible for her daughter's death, whether by neglect or abuse, or accidental abuse, or a straight-up murder. To follow that, and shortly after, like the following month, actually, Judge Perry rules that uh, Casey Anthony now owes almost a hundred thousand uh-huh. dollars for the cost of the investigation and of the, of Kaylee's disappearance. But then, on top of that, he orders her to pay an additional one hundred and nineteen thousand dollars in change to the police. So she ended up owing. Like $217,000 was like about the grand total, give or take. That's the cost of lying. Where are you going to come up with that kind of money? Because your ship sailed for the hot bog contest. The following year in 2012, uh, she goes and she's talking to Piers Morgan. You know, oh, I didn't kill Kaylee. Because remember, she didn't take the stand in her own defense. She never mm-hmm. testified on her own behalf, which. No, she was. was they were never going to put her no, on the fucking. It was probably the smartest possible thing that that defense did was to not put her on that stand. Because um, when she opens her mouth, what does she do? She tells the truth, Sally. Oh my God, she's so honest. She's so he honest. Knows that Casey is just so incapable of monitoring her own lies yeah. that she will perjure herself. She absolutely fucking yeah. will be able to help her. 100%. I mean, yep. you know, what's the fine for perjury? Can it be death? I don't know. Guillotine? Mm. Bring mm. it back. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so she was, she goes on to say with this interview, I've never been a party girl. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit. I don't drink I have now. Photos to the contrary, uh-huh. girlfriend. Yeah, dumbass. And also, too, your choice in royal blue shirt, not great. And it says, I've probably had a handful of beers since I've been on probation. The caricature of me that is out there, it couldn't be further from the truth. This Gross. reminds me of, of right back when she was when she was pregnant, and her whole family was telling everybody that she wasn't pregnant. There's no way she could be pregnant. And someone said- No way, she's virginal. 
That's right. Somebody said to Sydney, oh, I didn't know that Casey was pregnant. And even though it's completely obvious that this woman is going to give birth in several months, (laughs) Sydney says that's impossible because she's never had sex. And literally, I almost fell off of my chair when I heard that on the audiobook. Wow. Because that is not my understanding. And I'm not slut shaming here in the slightest. What I'm saying is, first of all, she had a good time. Cindy, like your daughter is clearly pregnant. She's not bloated. It's not her time of the month. She's not putting on a little weight. No, she doesn't have some sort of like disease. She doesn't have a tumor. No, it's not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor. (laughs) And thank you for going full owner with me. You know what? Yes. mm -hmm, That's how we do it. So there's just the, the lying goes back generations. The excuse making goes back generations. And when you have this little perfect storm, eventually it's going to turn to shit. It just can't not. And there was going to be something that happened in Casey Anthony's life, a can that she couldn't keep kicking down the road anymore. And the can was Kaylee. She just couldn't keep kicking it down the road. After all of this with the finances and the denial that she's a party girl and I don't party. On January 25th of 2013, things are chugging along in Casey Anthony's life and she's racking up fucking debt like crazy. Old habits die hard, I see. Well, this is all legal shit. And so, um, but she, an appeals court throws out two of her convictions for providing false information to law enforcement. So two of the things didn't even stick. But then the same day as that ruling, she filed for Chapter 7 for bankruptcy. She claims that she had like $800,000 in liabilities and only had $1,000 in assets, including cash on hand and personal property. I guess a lot of lawyer fees. I mean, yeah. I mean, you imagine how much that cost and and then also like the fines that she was getting for, you know, police investigations and all all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I can see how $800,000 would happen pretty quick. So the psychiatrist had said that there were only three people that she had ever talked about loving in her life. They were Jesse Grund, Ryan Paisley, and Keith Drew Pierski. That was his whole, Drew being the middle name. Apparently, Grund and Pierski were high school boyfriends, and Paisley was an elementary school friend who she had apparently trusted. It was kind of said that she always had some kind of man slash boy in her life and they thought you know like maybe this was like some sort of emotional protection but there was always somebody in line you remember Mm -hmm. she was a pretty girl like pre-murder if you look at the pictures of her you can see how she was considered attractive i think she was i think she was pretty she was trim she put herself together well she put you know decent makeup on her hair looked fine until she mm-hmm. did like that prison uh, yeah. bouffant. I'm going to have to disagree there. She had some very questionable styles. Well, we do have a few fun facts before we finish up. Uh, some of Casey Anthony's best quotes or worst, depending on your perspective. I've got about seven good ones. I'm just going to throw them out. Here we go. I'm going to do it in my douchiest accent. Oh, please. Oh. I've been looking for her and just gone through other resources to find her, which was stupid. Oh, That's number one. I just saw your nice little cameo on TV. Nobody in my family is on my side. That's all they care about right now. Finding Kaylee. <laughs> wow. my face. I'm really going for it. Yeah, you are. I can see it. Yeah. And it's fucking awesome. It was true. Zanny had watched my daughter on one occasion. One occasion, bitch. Didn't this you say like, she was a nanny for like two years? 
That's right. This Pick is like a back and forth. This is later when she's like giving testimony, like again for like other tr- other like suits that were brought against her. Way later, she's like, "Oh yeah, no, she did. She washed my daughter once." There's and that a was the time of truth. That that. Oh God, I hate you. Here's another one. People lie to the cops every day. Cops lie to people every day. I'm just one of the unfortunate idiots who admitted that they lied. Did you admit that you lied, or were you? Caught lying. Forced into admitting that you lied, bitch. Mm. 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 Yes, I drank and carried on like nothing happened. But wait, she's not a party girl. She's not a party girl. So why did she be how, drinking? And how could she on? be drinking and carrying on if she's not a party girl? And she's not a liar. No. So what? Mm-hmm. Does this doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make it's any sense. It's my personal favorite. I don't give a shit about what anybody <laughs> thinks of me. I never oh. will. I'm okay with myself. I sleep pretty good at night. Mm. Oh, really? I think you sleep pretty well at night, asshole. Uh, thank you so much for, for correcting that because that was my mm-hmm. first thought when I, I was like, no, hon, yeah, no, you don't I'm, sleep well. I, and I mean, I don't care how you say it. My point is, I bet you sleep pretty good at night. I bet you do. I bet when you close your eyes at night, there's nothing that bothers you, Casey. Uh-uh. I bet your conscience is clear as a bell. Mm. Listeners, you will all be pleased to hear that Casey Anthony keeps getting drinks thrown in her face. Yeah. yeah. I, you All know right. what? I wish that I had spent a little more time in Florida other than mm-hmm. just in the Jacksonville airport to track down whoever these angels who walk among us are. Who are you guys? Who is that? Who people. are you guys out there throwing drinks in her face? Because fuck, I want to mm-hmm. buy you. A, I want to buy you a replacement drink. That's and then an extra drink shit. so that we can both throw something in our face together. <gasps> oh, yay! A <gasps> party, a throwing party. A throwing party mm-hmm. of drinks yes. onto Casey Anthony. Now, this is some classic Casey Anthony shit. So apparently she got into a, like a fight at a bar because, <laughs> of course, it's a fucking bar. She was at O'Shea's Irish Pub in West Palm Beach, Florida. Where they were giving out free was. shamrock tattoos. <laughs> Yummy. Mm. Um, that looks so classy. Mm. Um, although I probably would get one, too. So it's cool. <clears throat> she was having an argument with a woman about an ex-boyfriend that they were both dating at the same time. Now that's some classic Casey Anthony shit right there. She told the police that the argument got a little bit feisty and that the other lady spilled water on her left leg. How dare you spill water on me in a bar when there's probably a lot of people bumping into you? How dare you? And she apparently told police, quote, she keeps getting drinks thrown in her face. Yeah. Yeah, you do. She wanted the incident to be documented. Now, she didn't. Oh, what a crime. I know. Seriously, she just wanted it documented. Uh, Casey, you should tell the police that she molested you after she poured the drink on you to really seal the deal. Exactly. That she had her her penis in your mouth. Yeah, exactly. That's really what makes sense. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So the police tried to explain to Casey how you file a restraining order against somebody. And she said that she didn't want to file one. It's too much work. Yeah. She can't be bothered. Even though she doesn't want to file one, uh, she said to the police that this has been an ongoing issue for years. So for years, Casey Anthony has been getting drinks thrown at her. Well, I mean, you know what? Here we are. It's like, Mm -hmm. what, 10 years later after her acquittal? Yep. It pleases me that this is is the case. Why does she continue to go out if this is such a problem? I don't think she can help it. I think that like... It's her oxygen. Her oxygen is going out, looking cute and having people look at her. That's like, that's her food. Some of us eat like carbohydrates and like protein and shit. And she eats attention. Yeah. I just have like vegetable soup. 
Yeah. She would have a tension suit. And I didn't get a drink thrown in my face. Because you're not a narcissistic <laughs> sociopath. Thank you. That's you're the nicest welcome. thing anybody's ever said to me. Mm-hmm. Take that one to the bank. I'm going to. I'm going to deposit Deposit that. that shit out of that one. <laughs> uh. All right. So did you know that Jose Baez? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, obviously Casey Anthony being his very first, you know, formerly a DUI kind of attorney, unseasoned mm-hmm. um, type for this kind of a case. He represented none other than Aaron Hernandez. Oh, la la. Uh-huh. And fucking wait for it. You're going to vomit. Harvey Weinstein. Shut up, I, You dude. can't make this shit up, man. Douchebags are us. Yeah. And apparently, like in May of 2021, very recently, Harvey Weinstein sued Jose Baez, alleging that Jose Baez was regularly preoccupied with other matters and pawned off important work onto other lawyers and was often unavailable to speak with him. Poor Harvey. My heart goes out to him. God, Harvey. Wow, you've really had a raw deal, pal. You know, when douchebags are at war with each other, it's a win-win for everybody else because it doesn't matter who loses. Everyone else wins. You bring the popcorn. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to sit back and fucking watch this shit implode on itself. Harvey Weinstein was going to pay like a total of $2 million to Jose Baez, or it was going to be installments of $200,000 monthly payments for his defense work on the Me Too case. Wow, that's a lot of money. (laughs) $200,000. Anyway, that didn't happen. I'm expecting like manicures and blowjobs to go along with. That's a lot of freaking money, dude. Dude, right? God. Apparently, in 2008, way back in October of 2008, uh, Casey Anthony told uh, somebody that they should just pin it all on Roy Cronk, that he had kidnapped Kaylee because he worked the neighborhood. Uh, That doesn't make you a killer and a kidnapper. That just makes you a person who works the neighborhood. Yeah. So Casey Anthony told this to a private investigator uh, named Dominic Casey, who was hired by Jose Baez. Because he wanted to be able to make sure that they, quote, found the body before anyone else did. Remember, this is 2008, October. They hadn't found her yet. Weird. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. It's fucking this crazy. case has just so many ins and outs <laughs> and weirdnesses. And you know what bugs me about that? What bugs me about that is that this case, it's just like Nicole Brown Simpson <sighs> and Ron Goldman. They completely disappeared in the sensationalism of the case. Like Ron Goldman, sometimes people didn't even know that he died. I know. I know. They didn't even know he was murdered. They're just like, oh yeah, he killed his wife. I'm like, and a whole nother person whose family suffered horrifically. Yeah, and let's continue not to. forget. Let's not forget. Yeah. yeah when when uh, we released that episode and I had talked about, you know, Ron Goldman as well, people were like, I, I had a couple of people actually say, who's that? And I was like, I can't talk to you. Yeah. Please don't speak to me again. The whole other person, the whole other person. That it's the other killed. individual who was senselessly slaughtered, but that's a different story. Back oh, in America. I know, right? Thanks a lot, guys. You know, not to go back to it too much, but the attempted suicide by George Anthony, I said that he had been found in a hotel room, right? Well, he'd been reported missing actually the previous night, but he had also been texting suicidal messages to some friends and family. And they tracked his phone 
And that's how they found him. I didn't know that. Yeah. Isn't that trippy? Yeah. 2011. That's like, that's good. That's good work. Yeah. And then also too, in 2011, you know, Casey Anthony had headed to an undisclosed location, hoping to start her life over. (laughs) Good luck with that bitch. But you know, then again, you know, she finds herself out and about just unable to avoid the bar fight scene and getting drinks thrown in her face. So (laughs) that didn't work out too well. Try not killing your kid next time. But, you know, she's gone on to live her life. Um, She has lived with a private investigator. She wanted to become a PI. Because if there's one thing that is that a PI really needs, it's just to blend into the background. Just be anonymous. You know, just have one of those faces that nobody recognizes. That is one of the best qualities of a private investigator. And, you know, nobody would recognize her. How would they know her? It's not like her face has been on television for years. No. mm -mm. And finally, my last fun fact, you know, this person that she had fabricated as the, you know, Zanny the nanny. As it turns out, there is a real person who has the name of Zenaida Fernandez Gonzalez. (laughs) Poor woman. She had never met Casey or Kaylee, but after her name had been thrown around, I mean, that's a really unusual name. It's very specific. You know, if you're not talking about like Jane Smith or, you know, Mm -hmm. Tom Jones or, you know, whatever. I mean, this is already not a particularly common common name. name. Mm -hmm. And so this woman who hadn't been part of any of this had received death threats. (gasps) She lost her job and suffered emotional distress and then sued Casey Anthony. I would have sued Casey Anthony. And I understand it wasn't successful, though. She sued for defamation in September of 2008, but lost. That's a real pity. And Casey Anthony, she ranks number one on the all-time most surprising acquittals. I was very surprised. I remember watching it at that time. I followed it very closely. And I remember being deeply, deeply shocked and deeply disappointed and really angry that she got off. Oh, because I felt so very upsetting. certain that she had had some hand in it. Right. Yeah. I mean, as we've talked about, there was a nonprofit that had helped in the search for Kaylee. They sued her as well for fraud. <laughs> like, did K- Casey Anthony is just getting lawsuits slapped at her left and right as she should. Drinks poured and lawsuits slapped. Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, and ultimately, you know, just. I don't know how this bitch just continues to get away with the things that she does, but she does. And, uh, you know, finally, this isn't nothing that I've ever seen is actually proven, but it wouldn't surprise me based on what we know that, you know, remember how we said she didn't have a job and she didn't have any money? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, apparently Jose Baez has been accused of allowing her to pay him with sexual favors. (gasps) Shocking. But, of course, that's never been proven. It's allegedly so... So yeah. we don't get sued. It's very alleged. <laughs> it's allegedly. So yeah, yeah, don't sue us. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's something that has been thrown around as rumor. Mm-hmm. Some people say. Some people say. I mean, you know. People what? are talking about it. <laughs> yeah, they It are. must be true. No, we don't know. Oh sure. my God. I just, I just can't. It's a massive machine. It's a machine. That's exactly what this is. And when you look at, you know, you have the death of one child. Yeah. And then the almost this like ecosystem of jobs and interconnected information gatherings and exchanges and all this stuff that happens around this person's death. It is massive. Like there's careers and buildings and infrastructure and so much that's devoted, so many resources devoted to this. 
Yeah. And in the end, the little girl got lost. Cases about motherhood strike a chord. Mothers are meant to protect their children, to guide and shelter their little ones from the brutalities of life. They are not meant to inflict them. Someone inflicted brutality on Kaylee Anthony, whether it was the brutality of unforgivable neglect or of intentional killing, the end result was Kaylee's death. And the person responsible, no matter how Kaylee truly died, was her mother, Casey. Only one person knows exactly how Kaylee Anthony ended up dead, wrapped in garbage bags, tossed behind a log in a swampy wooded area less than a half mile from her home. Only one person knows why Kaylee was found with duct tape on her face and a heart-shaped sticker over her mouth. Only one person knows how all the pieces fit together. The web searches, the trunk of the car, the shovel, the laundry bag, the partying, the tattoo, the lies. Only Casey knows the real truth. Although applying the concept of truth to a person like Casey Anthony is a doomed undertaking. It's uncertain how capable she is of perceiving reality clearly and how many of her falsehoods have become truth even to her. It's certainly evident that the complicated structure of lies she constructs with every breath is beyond even her ability to maintain. For a pathological liar like Casey Anthony, lying is the water you swim in, the ground under your feet, the sky over your head, and when you've been taught that there are no consequences to that lying, it becomes as important to your life as breakfast or sleep. It's like putting on your makeup. It's cooking dinner. It's just another part of your everyday life. And if it starts to fall apart, well, just extend it, adapt it, switch it up, change it, embellish it, reverse it, deny it. And when worst comes to worst, put on your most confident demeanor and march purposefully through the hallways of an amusement park office building in an attempt to convince police detectives that your web of lies are actually real. This is the end result of parenting without consequences. A person who lies until they hit a literal and figurative dead end. Kaylee was, in the end, a victim of Casey's lies. Although in Casey's mind, she is the true victim here. In a very revealing post-trial statement, Casey Anthony compared her trial to that of O.J. Simpson's. I can empathize with his situation, she told the Associated Press, saying there are a lot of parallels to her own case. At first, it surprised me that Casey Anthony would draw a connection between herself and a person so obviously guilty of two vicious murders. But upon deeper reflection, it became clear to me why Casey Anthony would feel empathy towards O.J. Simpson. After all, he got away with it too. You've been listening to Homicide Worldwide. the person that to hold that up
I would have dug my heels in so hard. I'm like, you people would have hated my ass so bad. Oh, my God. I would have had to have been in some sort of like protective custody because people would have wanted to murder me. Bring it on. Yeah. You don't like it? You don't like it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's get in on it. Try me. Try me. I've got my period and I'm not afraid to use it. (laughs) I have PMS, which is way worse, actually. I'm clumsy and emotional. Clumsy and emotional. You can have PMS, premenstrual syndrome. You can have postmenstrual syndrome and you can have menstrual syndrome. You can just basically have some kind of syndrome. That explains so much about why I'm angry four weeks out of four weeks. Also global pandemic and humans everywhere. Humans everywhere. To be like angry. Yeah. Yeah. Drivers on the road. Ugh.